0: Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. with us tonight to the book of Romans, chapter number 3. Romans, chapter number 3, we desire you prayers, uh, certainly Appreciate the opportunity to be here. This last um, last service of the year, I think Sunday will be the first. So uh, this is the last service of 2022. And uh, appreciate the Lord tonight. Certainly appreciate him touching my heart with something. I just wanted to be obedient tonight. And I hope you have. It uh, certainly makes it difficult for me if you don't do your part. So I trust that you've done what God's given you to do, and uh, we're going to do our best to give you the word that he's shared with us. Romans chapter number 3, we're going to begin at verse number 21 and just read through verse 26. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. There's a semicolon there. Uh, I'll say this as I continue. You'll not find the period for five more verses. It's one of the longest sentences you'll find in the Bible, but, but follow along. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, period. Bow with us. Father, we pray that you'd open our heart to this truth. Grant us the unction, God, that we don't have. We pray the Holy Spirit would speak now, Lord. Speak this word that you've shared with my heart, and may we be obedient, God, to bring it just as you've given it. We thank you for the first fruits of it, and we pray for what is now given. We pray that it accomplish all that you have sent it for, strengthen, encourage, feed, and convict. And in all of this, may you receive the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I want tonight to give a title to the message. I I don't always do that, but uh, I feel compelled to do it tonight. Um, I love it when God shows me something new. Um, This may not be new to many of you tonight, but it certainly was new to me, new to my heart, and... In my mind, and it thrills me when uh, God does that, and I appreciate that I was studying this one morning this week in in the church here and uh for whatever reason, and I pray it's for the purpose that we've assembled tonight. Uh, God led me into Romans chapter number three, and specifically in this particular area, and as I begin to read. Through this passage of scripture and was praying, God, the Holy Spirit settled my mind upon one word. In uh, in seeing that word, there was. Um, I, I hope you know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to explain it. And uh, but 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 when when the Holy Spirit shows you a word, it's different than just reading something. It's when when the Spirit of God just kind of sticks you on something, and you know at that point that there is something else there and uh, for the men of God anyway that are responsible for studying his word and and then sharing that truth uh that's that's the joy to our heart uh, certainly mine anyway I'll speak for myself it's the joy of my heart when I begin to feel the spirit of God just showing me something what a book <laughs> What a book! So full. The very day that we foolishly think we have grasped it, <laughs> he just shows us something uh, as if we were just starting over. And uh, I'm so grateful for it. But the word today comes from verse number 25. And uh, it's a word that I've often misused, I believe, concerning its use in the scripture. And I want to. I uh, do my best tonight to make that right and to properly share this truth. The Bible said concerning Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of of God, I want you to think about the word propitiation tonight. if you have a a, a word study bible not every not every Bible is a word study Bible often you have or many of you will have reference bibles uh, even chain reference bibles but if you have a word study bible you'll you'll notice that the word propitiation will lead you to a, a definition in the a concordance uh, that we that I have at least in mine I have a, a Greek and a Hebrew reference system and it'll lead you to the Greek word uh, that is pronounced I believe hilasterion and uh, as I saw that the Holy Spirit of God and I just love that and I keep wanting to say that because I didn't come up with this See, he was so gracious to open my heart to it and uh but as I begin to look at the word propitiation and begin to then look at the, the Greek word that it come from, I found that the word is used one other time in the New Testament. And that word is used in Hebrews chapter number nine, and we're going to go there. It's important for our study tonight is to go into Hebrew chapter number nine and read verses one through five. But um, it is the same word. Now, it's, it's translated in two different ways. In Romans chapter number 3, it says concerning Christ, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. But in Hebrews chapter number 5, verse number five chapter number 9, I'm sorry, chapter number 9, verse number 5. He says this, speaking, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. Mercy seat. If you look, if you've got a word study Bible, you'll see that mercy seat directs you to the exact same word in the Greek. It's the same word. It's translated two different ways, but it is the same word and it has the same meaning. Mercy seat, propitiation. I went as far to look in uh, Hebrew, um, English dictionaries at the word propitiation, and I found that even there it's not used in the same context as it is in the New Testament the word propitiation in the English language has come to mean an atonement. It has come to represent a substitutionary sacrifice that is given in order to repair or reconcile the relationship between God and man. And in my heart, that's how I always viewed the term propitiation. But that's not what it means. The apostle Paul used the same word when he spoke in Hebrews chapter 9 concerning the mercy seat of God. And and I believe for us to understand this tonight, we're going to have to now go backwards into the book of Exodus and Leviticus and see the mercy seat of God. Because that's what the Apostle Paul is using. He uses the same word in Hebrews chapter 9, speaking the term directly concerning mercy seat. And in Romans chapter number 3, when referring to Christ who has given himself for us, he said that he has become to, or to be a propitiation, a mercy seat. If you just change the word propitiation for mercy seat, they come from the same Greek word. It puts a whole new light on mercy seat and propitiation. For me, it changes the meaning of propitiation altogether. Propitiation is a place. That's the difference. Propitiation is a place. In the English language, we use propitiation as an atonement, which is a work still a noun, but it is an action that is done for someone to reconcile something else. And yet what we find the apostle Paul is doing is he's saying that that God himself, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, whom God, speaking of Christ, hath set forth him to be a mercy seat. Propitiation is a place. Propitiation is a place, would be the title of the message tonight. Propitiation is a place. You say, why is that important? Because in context, the Apostle Paul was trying to get them to recognize that Jesus Christ is the mercy seat. You say, why is it important that we have a where? Isn't it just important that we have the what? The atonement. Isn't it it all that we need, the atonement? Well, I can take you back into the Old Testament and I believe categorically state that no, you have to have a place in which the atonement is made. You have to have a place. And so let's go back now to the Old Testament and you'll find in the book of Exodus, God's direction under Moses on how to establish the temple. And when they built the temple, it then was a great tent, and on the outer part was the the first sanctuary or the holy place, but then there was the veil. And the veil separated the holy place from the holiest of holies. There was a separation there. Now, within the holiest of holies, you'll find there that there was a a golden censer, and then there was uh, the mercy seat of God or the Ark of the Covenant. And it was placed behind the holiest of holies and uh, you'll find that on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat and it was constructed in such a way that uh, friend, that, that, that everything it had meant, meant something for you and I. So I want us to look at that tonight. If, if Christ truly is the place, not just the atonement because that's the wonderful thing about Christ is that he's not only the place, but he is also the atonement. He's both. But as we look into the Old Testament sanctuary and we go behind the veil, let me start with Hebrews chapter number nine. I want to read uh, what the apostle Paul said about it. Beginning at verse number one, then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shebread, which is called the sanctuary. That's the holy place outside of the veil. Verse number three, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Let me say this first about the mercy seat and Christ is the mercy seat. Christ is the place where the atonement is made. I want you to think about that in reference to what the apostle Paul was saying. In, in verse number five, he says clearly, he uses the word, to say that 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 was where he was referring to. And then in Romans 3, he speaks of Christ being that hilisterion, that mercy seat, that place. Let me say first, according to what Paul said in verse number 9 and Exodus as well, is that the mercy seat resides within the holiest of holies. It's behind the veil. Now, if you go behind the veil, then you had to be a high priest. Nobody else could go back there. Anybody that went in and around the... The Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat of God would surely die. Nobody was able to go behind that holy veil into the holiest of holies. Only the high priest and And only once a year and only with blood. And every time that he went, he went in, a, in, in order to sacrifice and to make sacrifice on this mercy seat of God for you and I. May I say that I am so glad that the mercy seat is no longer behind the veil. I'm glad that I don't have to go just once a year, but I can go to the place where Christ is anytime that I need to. May I say I don't need a high priest. I've got a high priest. Jesus is my high priest. He has opened the veil and he has made himself the place for me to come. Oh, I'm glad tonight as I can think of a poor Jewish family coming once a year, bringing their sacrifice, bringing their gift and that before God how that they would have to trust the the high priest to do his ministration by taking that blood and and the blood that was shed and going into the holy place and offering that atonement upon the mercy seat of God. May I say to you today, I am so glad that Jesus Christ is no longer behind the veil. I'm glad that he is a place that I can go to any time of the day. I can visit him whenever I need him. I don't have to go to Jerusalem and go behind some kind of curtain. Brother, Jesus Christ is the place of my atonement. He is the place. Propitiation is a place. Propitiation is the mercy seat. I want you to see that the mercy seat of God before that the before that the high priest would go in into the mercy seat outside of the veil, there was a there was a there was some coals of fire that were burning on the altar, and there was also some incense that had been beaten small so that it would quickly smoke and make its fragrance and Before the high priest would go in behind the holy veil. He would take in one hand, now he had to do this first, he would take in one hand the coals of fire, and he would take in the other hand this little pot that had all of the incense, beaten small, and and according to Jewish culture, it it said that he would go in sideways, and he would ease up through there sideways as he got near the mercy seat, never looking directly at the mercy never looking at the mercy seat, always afraid that the glory of God would be there because if any man looks upon God, he dies. And so he would go in sideways carrying the coals and carrying the incense and he'd slip in there and he'd get right there to that golden censer that was in front of the mercy seat of God and he'd pour them hot coals in there and then he'd pour in that incense and immediately the smoke would begin to feel that temple and the smoke would overshadow the mercy seat of God. Brother, I'm glad to say today that there's something better than that for you and I. There's something greater than that for us. We get to approach the throne of grace today and we've still got that fragrance. Amen, Amen the mercy seat. Propitiation is a place today. You say, what in the world is the fire? Well, there was cloven tongues of fire fell upon the disciples that day when the Holy Spirit came to live with us. Oh, how glad that I am that the fire of God is inside of me. The Bible said in Romans chapter number eight, I believe it is, he said, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Oh, but if you've got the spirit of Christ, friend, may I say, you've got the fire of God inside of you. You've got the Holy Spirit that's living in you and you say, what do I need to get to Christ? What do I need to get to the mercy seat, which is Christ? may I say to you today you've got to have the Holy Spirit and brother you've got to have the sweet smelling fragrance you say what is that according to the psalmist David he said that a broken heart and a contrite spirit he would in no wise cast out let me tell you something when your broken heart your surrendered spirit gets (laughs) thrown on top of the Holy Ghost of God it offers up to Christ a sweet smelling savor in his nostrils I believe Brother, you and I have got a privilege to pray and to be in the presence of God. And, brother, Christ is the place that you do that. Christ is the place. You say, Why in the world is it needful for me to recognize that not only is Jesus the high priest and Jesus is the sacrifice, but Jesus is also the place that the sacrifice is given? I believe it's important for us tonight to make this distinction. Because some of you think that prayer doesn't have any any real merit, that prayer doesn't accomplish anything. You say, preacher, there's nobody in this building thinks that. Well, I doubt that. Because if you really believed in prayer, guess what you'd do? You'd pray more. You'd commit more unto God. You'd 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 just You would set aside time in your day, if not every day, to go to the place where you can find help and find the need for your own heart. Listen, we have a place today and he is ever present with you and I. So much better. So much better than what they had then. Oh, the mercy seat was where the glory of God was revealed. The mercy seat of God, I remember in the in the Exodus the Bible tells us of when the two sons of Aaron offered up strange fire unto God. <laughs> they offered up something that he wouldn't accept. You know what the Bible said to happen to both of them? They died. You say what happened to God killed them. You God, Yes, God killed them. You know why? Because they came into a place they wasn't supposed to be and they offered something that God wouldn't receive. I want you to know right now that if you're going to pray, it takes the Holy Spirit of God for you to pray and it takes a humbled and broken heart mixed with that Spirit of God rather to create the smoke that brings the glory of God. I know some of you know what I'm talking about When you get to the place and you begin to commune with God, amen, it gets holy in a hurry. Amen, the smoke of God begins to move. You say, preacher, are you speaking literally? No, thank God, that'd scare me to death if it was literal smoke around. Amen, I'd go looking for some other kind of fire. That's just the way I am. But oh, there's a spiritual smoke. There's a spiritual incense that is going up to God. When I go to the, seek, and I offer a humble sacrifice to him. Oh, thanks be to God, I don't need you to help me. Huh? I don't need you to pray my prayer. I don't need you to go. You know why? Because I know where to go. You say, preacher, you go to the church and pray, and I pray everywhere. Hey man, I pray in the barn, I pray in my truck, I prayed in my basement, I prayed in my bathroom, I prayed everywhere you think. To be. You say, how come? Because the mercy seat is with me. I don't have to go to it. Boy, that's good. Amen to God. That's good. I'm glad, Roger, I don't have to come in here to pray. Amen. I'm glad this ain't the mercy seat. We call it a mourner's bench. It ain't the mercy. The mercy seat ought to be in your heart, which is Christ. Christ is the way. He is the place. The propitiation is the place. It is the mercy seat. That's what Paul was saying. He said, God hath set forth him to be a mercy seat, a propitiation. He used the same word. God hath set Jesus forth to be a mercy seat. Well, if that's the the case, then we go back to Hebrews chapter number nine and we let Paul explain that for us. And all of that will lead you back into Leviticus and Exodus and all of those Old Testament things were signs and things that pointed to what would be. And brother, everything that I read behind the veil was about Jesus. Everything you find behind that veil was Jesus. Let's go on. The high priest would... He'd get that thing smoking and then the Bible or the Jewish culture, I read this just today. The Jews said that custom Mary for the high priest was he come in sideways and he'd quickly make the smoke and then he'd back out like this until he got back on the other side of the curtain. He did that in reverence to God. Until he got in on the other Because let me remind you, when he came in the first time, he didn't have any blood. He didn't have the sacrifice. On the outside was another priest stirring that blood. He kept a stir and kept a stir. He didn't want it to thicken up because what the the high priest had to do, as soon as he backed out, he had to grab that bucket full of blood from that bullock and he had to go right back in there. And that thing smoked up and he would put his hand in there and he'd do it once toward the top and then he'd do it seven times toward the bottom. And all the while he was doing it, he was working his way back out of there. May I say to you today, that's a place. That's a place. But I like my place better. (laughs) I like my place better when I go to my mercy seat, when I go to Jesus Christ. Brother, I'm not having to throw blood anywhere because he's already thrown it. God has set him forth to be a mercy seat a place for you, a place for you. Is that important? Yes, I believe so. I believe it's extremely important that we recognize that Christ is not only our sacrifice. He's not only our high priest. He's not just the blood, but he is also the place where it is all happening. He is the mercy seat. Let's look at the mercy seat a little more. You'll find that the Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter number nine begins to tell very, very descriptively about the mercy seat. He spoke of the golden censer and then he said it was over. He was over. And he said in the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, And the tables of the covenant. That's all in verse number four. Let me say this about the mercy seat. According to the book of Exodus, it is pure gold. Let me speak concerning my Lord. He is tried in the fire and he is pure. He is pure gold. What they made the mercy seat of. You see, there were some instruments that was used in the Old Testament worship that were overlaid with gold. But according to Exodus, the mercy seat itself that covered the ark was pure gold, pure gold. The cherubims that were put on either side of it, pure gold. They were beaten work of gold. But the covering, the mercy seat itself was pure gold. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 that Apostle Paul said concerning my mercy seat, he said, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, how glad I am. You see, the high priest then was going into the mercy seat to offer an atonement at the place where God said to them, I will meet you there. But for us today, Christ has already made the atonement. He made it once and a long time ago. Let me say this. He didn't have to offer any blood for me today. I've already been to him. I've already been to the mercy seat. I've already repented of my sin and I did it just again a second ago. I repented of my sin. He didn't have to offer no blood for me. You know why? Because he offered it once and for all. The Bible says specifically that when Jesus died on the cross, when he had rose from the dead, when he ascended back to the Father, he took his own blood and he offered it up unto God as the atonement for our sin. Mm-hmm. That's good. The mercy seat of God is pure gold. The mercy seat of God is pure gold. On each end of it was the cherubims. The mercy seat itself was two and a half cubits long and it was one and a half cubits deep. It was a rectangle. And it was made perfectly so that it covered the Ark of the Covenant. We'll get there in a second. But on either end of it, on the left and on the right, there was great tall cherubims. That were made, and it said that their wings were to be on the high. Right? If, if if their wings come up, they were like this. The wings were were high, and they were overshadowing. And you got one on this side, and then you had another one on this side. And I believe them wings were touching right on the tips, so that everything under them was covered. And you say, preacher, what in the world could that mean? I'm glad, brother, that there is something pure when we get to the holy place. And I get to the holy place. Oh, I hope you do. I hope you ain't wondering what I'm talking about tonight. Oh, when I get to the mercy seat of God, there's glory there. There's something there that you won't find anywhere else. Oh, that the people of God would go to the holy place, to the place which is Christ to the mercy seat. There's something glorious at the mercy seat. There's something glorious when we get into the presence of our Savior and Lord. Amen. There is an overshadowing, amen, of the Holy Spirit. It covers everything that's going on on the mercy seat. You know what God told Moses? He said, listen, he said, when you create that and you set that old mercy seat on on top of the covenant, he said, I'm gonna tell you what to do. He said, but when the high priest does it, he said, let me give you this promise. He said, I will meet Meet you there. Do you know that's still a good promise? Do you know it's still a good promise? Amen. You thank God today. You don't have to come here to pray. Amen. Let me tell you where the place is to pray. It's the mercy seat. It's Christ. Christ is where we pray. And brother, if you've been born again, Christ lives in your heart today. And you're able to pray wherever you're at. You're able to get right within the glory of God. Now you say, preacher, I don't know just exactly. Let me give you just a little example. This is one some of you will relate to. You driving down the road. <laughs> you talking about driving under an influence? <laughs> Amen. That'd lock me up sometime for that DUI. They'd, they'd, I'd be guilty. Amen. I went places and didn't know how I got there. <laughs> That's the truth. Amen. Because somewhere along the way I went to the mercy seat while I was driving. And the next thing you know, there was a glory all around me. It was overshadowing me. I was right on the mercy seat. And he met me there. Glory to He met me there. Amen. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You say, is it? Was the Apostle Paul really meaning that Christ is the mercy seat? Yes, yes. Not only did he say it specifically in Hebrews nine, but in Romans chapter number three, he said God has set forth Christ to be our mercy seat. Same word propitiation too long in our minds has been the work that Jesus did. And that's that's the English definition of it. But if you look at what the New Testament says the word comes from, that's not its meaning. Yes, Christ is the work, but Christ is also the place that we go Oh, this is good. <laughs> the purpose of the mercy seat was it created a place that the uh, the offering could be made to. It created a place that was pure, but it it it, it was a place where God said He would meet them. Does He meet you? <laughs> he meets me there when I go to Christ and and don't misunderstand. I keep leaning toward that way I could walk back here and get to Christ because everywhere I go he's with me everywhere I can fall on my knees with a broken heart and a contrite spirit the Holy Ghost will help me get into that place where the mercy seat is and brother when I meet the mercy seat there's glory there glory there shame on us when we come so apathetically under the mercy seat of God? You say, how come? Well, the mercy seat you'll find covered some stuff. That's what Paul said in Hebrews chapter nine. That's what he told Moses back in Exodus. He said, the mercy seat is gonna be this wide and this deep, meaning it would cover exactly the dimension of the Ark of the Covenant. Well, I like the thought of him covering some stuff. You know what he was covering? You know what was in that big box? The Ark of the Covenant? Well, Paul told us in Hebrews 9. He said, number one, he said there was a a golden pot with manna. If you go back into Exodus, what God told Moses, he said, you gather up an omer, and he said, you put it in the pot, and he said, you put it in the ark. Now, an omer was a daily provision per person. Every person was allowed one omer per day. If you had six people in your family, you'd go out and gather six omers per day until Friday come around. And then you gathered 12 omers because you wouldn't gather anything on the Sabbath. An omer is quite a bit. So that's a pretty big old pot. But the problem with manna was... Is it rotted in 24 hours? If you didn't eat all that you gathered when you got up next morning and stuck your hand in there, there'd be maggots in it. Because it rotted in a 24 hour period. God sustained them one day at a time. That's another message. <laughs> Except on before the Sabbath, and He gave them two days because he didn't want them doing anything on the Sabbath day, right? But not the manna he put in the ark. Bless God, you could have stuck your hand in there 5,000 years later and ate of that and it'd still be good. Oh, by the way, I believe I get some of that every now and then. It's like the honey coming out of the spout that's coming from glory itself. I get to eat from the manner that the mercy seat covers. Well, I'm not going to chase that rabbit long. I want to say this about the covering. My mercy seat has all my daily provision covered. Did you know underneath Christ is everything that I ever need? And when I go to my mercy seat, whether it's here, whether it's at home, whether it's in my vehicle, when I go to the mercy seat, he's got my needs covered. He got all the manna I can eat. Well, that's what he promised him in Matthew, wasn't it? He? he said, Take no thought for what you're going to eat. What you're going to wear? Where you're going to live? He said, Your father knows you have need of them things. And he said, Your father feeds the little bird. And he said, You're more valuable than the little bird. <laughs> oh, the mercy seat has got my provisions all covered. Everything that I need is under the mercy seat. You say, preacher, are you talking about my daily needs? Yes. They're all covered by the mercy seat. It's right on top of them. Everything that you need is right there with Christ. Every, you say, where can I go to get some help? <laughs> I'd suggest you go to the mercy seat because he's got it covered. What's he covered? Number one, he's covered all your provisions. Everything that you need. Number two, Paul told him in Hebrews 9, he said also, and in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod that budded. Now, it's a bad example, but let's say that this thing's just a big stick. That's really what it is, except for that cord. So this is just a big stick. There's no life in this thing, you see. It's dead for the most part. hope I didn't tear that up. Aaron had a rod, a stick that wasn't attached to no life. But the stick had life itself. And did you know it kept blooming in that box? It didn't have no water. It didn't have no earth. It didn't have no vitamins, no minerals, no fertilizer. It, the stick was dead but it weren't dead. (laughs) You say, preacher, my biggest problem I face is death. He got it covered. That thing which the world thinks is dead is still blooming under Christ. Under Christ, there is life where there was death before. You say, that's unexplainable. (laughs) Well, that's kind of how getting born again is. He said, I passed from death unto life. Amen. The very life that we need, the very hope of life that we need, it's under the mercy seat. He's got it covered. He's got it covered. Oh, but preacher, you ain't talked about my sin yet. Guess what else is in the ark? The Apostle Paul said that the third thing in the Ark of the Covenant was the law of the covenant, the law of the testimony. What was it? It was the law. Those tables of stone, those Ten Commandments that Moses brought off the mountain, God told him to put them into the ark. You know what's covered? <laughs> Under the mercy seat of God, the law is covered. Did you know that you couldn't approach God without the law being covered for you? Because if the law hadn't been covered, checked off, handled, you'd have sin. And you ain't walking into the presence of God, to the glory of God, to the power of God. You're not getting to the place where he meets you if there's sin. But the law is covered. Everything you see that would condemn you is under Christ. It's under him. If Christ is the mercy seat, see, right, propitiation is a place. It's not an action, it is a place. Propitiation is a mercy seat. If Christ is the mercy seat, the mercy seat covers all those things. So when we go unto God and we ask for forgiveness, the Bible says that He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You say, "How can you? How can He do that?" Because he's over the law. It's all under him. And if we come to Christ, our mercy seat, here's what you can know, is that he paid your sin debt. He who kept the law perfectly, he kept the law. He who knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Whom God has set forth to be a mercy seat. It's the same word, a mercy seat, a place where we can take all of our cares and all of our burdens and all of our troubles and all of our sin. We don't have to wait till one time a year when the high priest goes in and does no, this is a better mercy seat. But in, in looking backwards at the signs of the Old Testament and, and what those things meant, everything behind the veil was Christ. And so we find that that day when Jesus hanging on the cross cried, it is finished. The Bible said that the earth began to quake and the rocks break And the veil in the temple was rent in twain. God opened the holy of holies to all. Well, how could he do that? Because Christ gave himself, right? That's what we, we, we think of as the propitiation is Christ giving himself. But Christ is our atonement. But Christ is also the place where the atonement is made you say why is that important come get a song why is that important because the truth is is we still have to take our burdens somewhere And what the Bible said of Christ was, is He said, Cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. So I believe the Apostle Paul was, was, was being very careful to use the right word, and he didn't use it incorrectly. The same word he used in Hebrews 9, he said, is mercy seat, is the same Greek word he used in Romans 3 when he said that God hath made him to be a propitiation, a mercy seat. I don't believe he made a mistake there. I believe the importance for us is to recognize that Christ is the place that we take our burdens, that we take our sin, that we take our problems, that we take our worship, that we take our praise, Christ is the place that we take it. There's a lot of people pray to God. But they've never prayed to Jesus. There's a lot of people believe in God. But they do not believe in Jesus. Jesus. As a matter of fact, they've accepted God and have rejected Jesus. Let me be clear. There is one place, and that is not God. That's why this is important. You can take your burdens all day long to God, never get rid of them because that is not the place we go I said, but I thought they're all the same they are but hear me Jesus was very clear even though Jesus specifically said if you've seen me you've seen the father he also said No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the place that you'll be born again. You will not be born again. You can't be born again anywhere else. Now we've heard the testimonies of many people. Some got saved in a ditch. Some saved in their barn. Uh, Miss Pell saved in, uh, where was it? The well Chicken House, somewhere out there. Why, people have been saved all kinds of places. You know why? Because Christ is the place. And when they bowed on their knees, I don't care if they was in the darkest part of Africa, if they bowed on their knees and called out unto Jesus Christ for mercy, that was the right place. You can get saved there. You can get saved there. But apart from Christ, you missed the place where the work has to be done. He is also the high priest. He is also the blood that saves. He is the atonement and the place. You're talking about one-stop shopping. It's all at that place. That's why Paul used the same word. Whom God hath set forth. Talking about Christ God has set Christ forth to be a place, the place of mercies. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. You're going to say one? I'm so glad that. I'd rather be a New Testament Christian than I would have been an old. I'll just tell you, there wasn't much joy in that that business of this once-a-year stuff. No, but that day that Mary ran back in there and said, "He's alive." that tears could go. There was a place that at two o'clock in the morning saw us to go. There was a place that welcomes you every time. My place rose from the dead. He said, where is he? Well, he sits at the right hand of the Father. But he put the third part of the Godhead in me. So that by the Holy Spirit and a broken heart, I might bow on my knees. And as he said in Hebrews, through faith in his blood, I might bow at the mercy seat. He would say come boldly unto the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. The mercy seat is a place. Propitiation is a place. And that place is Christ. If you don't know Christ tonight, you don't know the place. You've never been to the place. If you don't know Christ. But Christ is the place tonight. And I'll give you an invitation to come. If you need to make it right, you don't need to make it right with the preacher. You don't have to make it right here or there or there. But you will have to go to the mercy seat Because all the business is done at Christ. At Christ. That's where the work is done. If you'll take it to him tonight, he'll help you. If you'd stand with us, I'll give you an invitation to come.